Morning, y'all. I hope y'all got some rest. Are you staying here, Arliss? Welcome to CMI School of Christ. We always say that. Uh, let's see. This morning, I just want to share with you about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Um, I got a question for you. When does the New Covenant begin? And it can seem, it can seem confusing, you know, when you think about all this, according to time and according to, let's say, you know, we're, I say that our natural mind is so event centered, you know, we, we look, we look at our timelines, we look at our dates. Okay. Oh yeah. It started at the cross. That's easy. If you guys want to turn with me, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 11, but you don't have to. I'm going to read these verses to you. Uh, What I've written on the board is really a, uh, a picture of two men. This is Adam, and this is Christ. This is the old man and one new man and a, a people that's in Christ. Um, you guys, that's the way the Holy Spirit, that's the way God sees the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant has jurisdiction over the old man. And as long as it's Adam that's living, the law still has jurisdiction over him. And it's a ministry of death. That man needs to be brought to death. Yes, he's been brought to the cross by, by Christ. But as long as that heart's ignorant of it and the veil remains over this heart, that heart to this day, that man, that heart has not experienced his end and um and so when does the new covenant begin well it depends (laughs) it just depends uh let's say when did jesus say that the law ended jesus said it's right okay matthew 11 in verse 13 i'm reading the, the new american standard for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. He's talking about John the Baptist. Anyway, so I've, what I've written on here on the board is the new covenant ends at his coming, people. When Christ has come, the new covenant's over. At his baptism, Jesus came and appeared. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough to God. Um, I'm just going to wing it. These verses that are in Isaiah chapter 42. The Lord is speaking to his son. And he says, I will give you as a covenant to the people to open blind eyes and to set free the captives. Who does he give? He gives us Jesus. That's the new covenant. It is a person. 
There's many believers, and I, and I would have said this at one time, the new covenant is the words of Jesus. Or I'm, I would have told you the new covenant, it's the New Testament. It's the words of our Bible. The new covenant is not words. It's a life. It's Christ in you. Amen. We have a New Testament. It has the words of Jesus in it. It has the words of the apostles in it and in the epistles. Those words are not the new covenant. You must be born of the Spirit to see the kingdom of God. This is, this is how we come into God's kingdom. This is how we enter in. We receive the Spirit of Christ in us. Um, I probably just, you know, shared these verses until it's... You're tired of hearing them from me, but... In uh, Romans 8, it says, If anyone have not the Spirit of Christ, there are none of His. You're not Christ if you don't have His Spirit in you. That's salvation. That's a complete salvation. You are complete in Him. I, what I've drawn here on the board, say this is a picture of Adam. The Apostle Paul calls in, in, in uh, Corinthians chapter 2, he calls him the soulish man. Now, your Bible might not say that. It says something like <clears throat> the natural man, the King James will say. Look at, if you guys look up that word in the Greek, it's... It, the word is soul, and um, Brother T. Austin Sparks, I think he's properly translating it, even though soulish isn't, a, isn't an English word. It's, uh, we, can, we can go ahead and take it up. That's a really a better translation of what, the, what it says. And the reason Adam is a soulish man is because he's a soul and a body. And I've, I've been through a lot, of, a lot of different teaching about whether Adam had a spirit in the garden or not, and all that stuff. I'm not going to get into that today. I'm just going to tell you that this old man, he's two parts. He's a soul and a body. In his soul, he thinks with his mind. He has feelings with his emotions. He makes decisions with his will. That's his soul. That's your soul. And, and he has flesh. Adam, in the old man, we, we, we were all born in sin. We were all born as this man. And all of our information comes from the outside in. We learn things through the flesh in Adam. But when you're born of the Spirit, and the Spirit of Christ comes into you, the soul, if the soul turns to the Lord and is taught by the Lord, then the soul begins to receive information, the truth, from the inside out. Things will start going a different way. Like me, I, as I've, when I received the Lord, all I had to do was ask and believe. And I received the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I was very slow to be taught by Him. I still, I still uh, went to man... And got taught all kinds of theologies, and I was, uh, I got, I got my degrees in the Bible, and learned dispensationalism. I learned all that stuff, and uh, 
it was contrary to the mind of Christ. A lot of the stuff that I was taught. And after a long time in Christianity, I say that with a, with a small, not a capital C, after a long time in Christianity, God revealed His Son in me. Praise God. And, um, and it messed me up. <laughs> I just say, uh, I began to see the, the presence of Jesus Christ. I began to see that the Lord was come. And... Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this a little bit. I've, I've been talking about what Adam was like before. And, I, and now I'm going to kind of turn this into not just the old man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it into the religious man, okay? <laughs> All right. So under the old covenant, let's say in Judaism, it, it's very similar to mainstream Christianity. Um, you guys, the, the Jews believed in a resurrection. In John chapter 11... They had the promise. And Martha tells us about that promise, about the resurrection. I'm, I'm talking about the body and the things of God concerning the body. You guys know the story and the background of it. Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for three days. Jesus comes. He, he delays on purpose. He's... He makes sure he's in the grave three days and stinking. He could have come earlier. And when he's been in the grave three days, he comes to the funeral and they're all mourning. And he tells Martha he will rise again. And Martha, Martha gives him her doctrine, her religious system and what she's learned and been taught. I know he will rise again at the last day. And Jesus' response to her is, Oh, here come the bishops. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jesus, no, that wasn't his response. <laughs> hey, y'all, good to see y'all. <laughs> so, Jesus says to Mary, Mary, Mary's been taught well by, the, by Judaism. I know that he will rise again at the last day. And Jesus' response to her is, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? She doesn't know what he's saying. We didn't know the resurrection until, until the resurrection began to appear in our hearts. So, most people, most of Christianity, I mean lowercase c Christianity, they've received, they've received Christ in them. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the gospel through mainstream Christianity. Praise the Lord. Jesus is there. They're born of the Spirit. And uh, usually what that means is Jesus is in my spirit, okay? That's... That's usually what is accepted. And, uh, and it's taught in this Christianity that 
that the Spirit, the, the Spirit is in you, and you, so you have salvation. It's, it's an incomplete salvation, okay? And that, that, that the soul is being renewed day by day, and by the renewing of the mind, the soul is in a process of being saved. And so, you know, we're, we're taught all these verses that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So this is, there's an incomplete salvation, but the soul is growing in, in, in salvation, and uh, the body is waiting and will be saved. Okay, so it's, that's an incomplete salvation. However, the Word of God says, in Colossians, you are complete in Him. Amen. You guys, that's not true. That's not the truth as it is in Christ. And so, I just, I just want you to, to understand that, that, this, that this darkness... That, uh, that the, new, the old covenant has jurisdiction over, it can be in hearts of precious believers who have the presence of Christ in them. And y'all, they, they do have salvation. If Christ is in them, they have it. But still, if the veil remains over to this, there to this day, that soul is not being taught by His Spirit. You know what I'm saying? It's getting all information from the outside. And you guys, the knowledge of the flesh is our own understanding. Uh, the Word of God is very clear. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge God in all His ways. He'll make your path straight. Amen. This religion, it needs to see Jesus. Um, it needs to come into a new covenant relationship. The new covenant came when Jesus came. We just read that verse. We're going to read more verses in uh, Matthew chapter 11. That's where, that's where I'm at. But uh, there's a lot of scriptures that say the new covenant came at the cross, at the death of Christ. Um, in Colossians, it also says that that's when the, the handwriting that was, writ, that was against us was nailed to the cross. The ordinances, the law of Moses. Really, folks, that's when Adam died on, at the cross. Amen. Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Now Jesus became the last Adam on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin. He, he gathered each and every one of us into himself and put us to death in Christ. That's the work of the cross. That's when Jesus said it is finished. Well, we say it's finished, of course. There couldn't be any more of the, of, of the old covenant reign. Jesus nailed it to the cross. Yes, that's true. And that's true in God's sight. We need, to, we need to see what God sees. But not every soul sees what God sees. Not every soul is taught by His Spirit. Well, that 
is the death of death. The death of the old man was at the cross. And when Jesus raised up, he separated himself from that humanity. And from that, he was risen out from among the dead. Scriptures say all over the place. And he became life. So we could say that's when the new covenant began because that's when, that's, when, that's when life was established, secured. And then, you know what? His spirit was received by the, by the church on the day of Pentecost. Now Christ was in them. And so his coming was growing. And then he began to appear in his servants. He appeared in the Apostle Paul. He began to appear. Uh, you guys, you know, at... You know, and we can find verses like, uh, like the preterists will argue with us. No, no, the new covenant didn't begin until 70 AD. Back here, and they won't draw a line. New covenant comes right here. Bible says, they got their verses. They're true verses, you guys. Hebrew says that the old covenant was waxing old and ready to vanish away. Well, guys, in truth and in God's view, it, it, it vanished away whenever Jesus appeared. Amen. The law and the prophets prophesied until John the Baptist and not beyond. I'm here. But that life had to be glorified. He, and he was glorified in his death and resurrection. And he is glorified in his body, the church, as, he's, as he appears. You know, this, at some point, you've got to say, the Lord has come. And the Holy Spirit made it clear. We have it written in, in John's epistles. The Lord is come in flesh. Test the spirits to see whether they be of God. Any spirit that says the Lord has not come in flesh is not of God. Any spirit that says the Lord is come in flesh is of God. You know, a lot of people uh, will argue with me about what I'm proving about saying that. They'll say, well, no, no, no. He was just talking about... The Gnostics, there, were these, there, was these, there was a heresy in the church that people thought Jesus was some kind of apparition, that like he was a ghost and he wasn't really real. And, and, uh, and so John's talking against that. You guys, this is a much bigger thing. His coming is our covenant. It's not just in Isaiah 42, it's in Isaiah 49. I will give you... It's in Isaiah 49, verse 8. I will give you as a covenant to the people to cause them to inherit desolate inheritances. Abraham's children had promises of a resurrection and they rejected him. There was an inheritance that was promised to them that they wouldn't live in. You guys... Mainstream Christian religion is very much in the same boat. They have promises of Christ that they're not living in, that they're not inheriting. They have a complete salvation that they're calling incomplete. Our brothers and sisters, and they are our brothers and sisters, even in ignorance, they are not knowing the Lord. And... There's just all kinds of things that continue to go on. I don't know. Uh, for example, you know, the old man, what, is he, what does he identify with? 
He identifies with the flesh. When all, you get all your information comes from the outside in, what do you identify with? You identify with your wrapper. What, you know, I mean the body. You're, I am a white male. Uh, or if you're female, I am a woman. Um, if you're black, if you're white, if you're Greek or Jew, you know, you know these verses. In Galatians it says, In Christ there's neither slave, nor free, nor Greek, nor Jew, nor woman, nor man. This just says no more. See, in Christ it's just neither nor. Neither nor. Those that are in Christ and are living by his life, they identify with the man on the throne. Because as Jesus Christ begins to appear in your heart and you begin to see the one who is your life, you see that he is life. Amen. He, there is no life. This man is death. His And Christ in you is life. That's what the apostles wrote about, about the coming of the Lord. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall appear with him in glory. You begin to know who you are as, when your life appears, and he is the Spirit. He's not just life that fills your spirit. These you know, these souls that are in Christianity, they're growing in the knowledge of Christ. And most of the time, when I was in Christianity, I was just growing in Bible knowledge. I would just, I would read the Bible, memorize the scriptures, memorize the book of Ephesians. Had no clue what it meant to be risen and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I had no idea until I began to be taught by the Spirit. You know what? This, this body here... It's one body. That's not something that the, that the natural man can really receive. The natural man doesn't understand, uh, doesn't have a corporate understanding of God's view. When God begins to make his view known in you, you begin to see the way he sees. He sees all Adam in one man. It's all the same. Amen. In Adam... Death reigns. They're all the same. Well, they got different wrappers, but I mean, right down here in the heart, the enemy reigns. But in Christ, you know, the soul begins to see the truth about. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. All mankind was drawn into one man and crucified and put to death. And then one man, one new man, Jesus Christ, rose out from among that dead man, that dead humanity. And all those words became true that, that Paul described. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And then we have what he describes as the first and the second. They're first and second uh, covenants, yes. 
but it's also first and second coming, really. Jesus came as one man, all mankind, and put him to death. And then he came as the Spirit. And so the body of Christ is one body. We all know the scriptures. You are one body. And because we have one spirit, we're, we're many souls. That's true. But we're also, as a vessel of Christ, a vessel of his soul. Um, there's lots of verses about that. Jesus said, when speaking about the cross, he said, he who loves his soul in this life, he'll lose it. But he who loses his life shall find it for eternal life. In this man, our soul is both lost and found. We, we lost our soul life at the cross. We lost the reign of our soul. So, so see, in this man, who's at the center? It's you. It's not Jesus. You sit on the throne of your heart. And when you're born of the Spirit, and you ask Jesus into your heart, He sits down on the throne. And He displaces you from reigning in you. He does it in a very gracious, gracious way. You know, we all, go, we all receive Christ and we get baptized. And we may be completely ignorant of the presence of Jesus Christ in us. Uh, but if we will continue on with the Lord, He will make Himself known. Amen. He will, the Apostle Paul writes in uh, Philippians 2.13, He works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Now, what is that? Didn't we just say that the will is part of your soul? This is, this is the Spirit of Christ animating part of your soul, your will. How does he do it? He makes you love God's will. And you do what you love. He gives you the desires of your heart and he makes you to desire his will. You guys, there's... Other verses say these same things. Um, just like it says, God is at work in you. It's not... Now in, now in Adam, Paul wrote what it's like to be in Adam when he wrote uh, Romans chapter 7. And he said, It's not the good that I will that I'm doing, but the evil. He said things like, the will is lying beside me. That's concordant literal, Romans 7, 18. But the good, the doing of the good is not. He didn't, he's not experiencing that. But in, in, he's speaking about being in Christ when he says that God works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. First, in John 1, it says that the word is not of blood nor of will of the flesh, 
nor of the will of man, but of God. That as we continue to know the appearing of Christ, he changes our soul, and our soul, even though it was lost in his death, it's found in his resurrection. It's found to be a vessel of his life. Um, In Adam, the heart of man did not ascend to all that which God had prepared for those who love him. That means we didn't understand. We don't know. Um, Part of the soul is our mind, the, the, the part of us that we think with. And in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 The Apostle Paul says, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit. He's talking about having the mind of Christ. That's Philippians 2.2 You know, we've all struggled with our emotions and our feelings that Especially when we feel something that's not true. First Peter four thirteen says, "You share in the passions of Christ." If you look that word up, you guys, it's emotions. It's it's this is a description of the Spirit of Christ filling your soul and animating it by His own life. And we are already part of the body of Christ. This is today. The Word of God is very clear on this. In Romans 13, verse 11, it says, knowing the time, that the hour is already for you to awake from slumber. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He is talking about, when he talks about waking from slumber, he's talking about awakening out of this death. That is in Adam. An awakening in life. Wake, O sleeper, rise from death that Christ may shine on you. This is, this is the body of Christ. It's a spiritual body. We're members of one, one another because we all have the Spirit of Christ in us. This is now, today. It began, this resurrection life began a long time ago. Or the Apostle Paul wouldn't have written, if you be risen with Christ, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. See, this man right here, he's waiting for his body to get changed. He's looking at things with the flesh, with eyes of flesh and eyes of unbelief. And out of that, unbelieving heart this man has invented religion Christian religion in, in, in a way that he can wrap his natural mind around he's invented things doctrines like the general resurrection that's the, the same belief that Martha had well, some glad day I'm going to get a new body I'm going to walk through walls I'm going to be you guys already you're risen and seated in heavenly places Amen. in Christ Jesus. That's true because of your union with Christ. We may know nothing of that. And if we don't, if you've never experienced that or seen that light, turn your heart 
to Jesus. He is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Turn your heart to Jesus and say, Teach me, Lord. And so, you know, when we look at these verses that seem to describe when did the new covenant begin, it's not really a point in time. It's when you begin to see the light of the truth, when you begin to see Jesus, the person of the new covenant. And there's great freedom and rest in seeing Jesus. The old covenant was a covenant of words. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not worship any other god or make any graven images. Thou shalt not. You guys know the word. It was a covenant between Israel and God. And Israel broke that covenant. One of, the, one of the laws was honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. That Sabbath day was a testimony of Jesus, who is our rest. Amen. You know, when, even when Adam knows God's rules and tries to keep them, he does it, it's, it's, it's the flesh. Let's say, let's, let's say it's the Sabbath day. Now we have the flesh... And by fleshly energy, working to keep the flesh from not doing anything. And that doesn't, God's not glorified in that. Jesus, knowing that there was no life in man, he knew what was in man. And he said things like, you search the scriptures because you think that by them you have eternal life but they are that which speak of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. The implication is, all you have is death. You don't have life. You have to come to me. Jesus was the rest. He is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He was the rest of grace. And it's in a man. And until our hearts see his appearing... We will we'll go to the scriptures and things like that and we'll and we'll say the New Testament's words and I better do those words. Love your neighbor. Let's put that on our do list. I'm gonna love my neighbor. And as you try to love your neighbor by your own fleshly energies and you try to live it animated by death, you'll find you don't love people. But as the Lord begins to appear in your heart and you begin to rest in his life and know what he knows, see what he sees, you begin to experience his love animating your heart, loving people right through you. And then you're not doing it. Guess what? You as a soul are at rest. And this is the rest of grace. Something the Apostle Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. Ourselves as your servants. If the new covenant is a list of words, things for you to do, 
you're, you're going to end up preaching yourself. Look, I'm doing it. I'm... But when you see that the work of the cross has put away that old man and that by his coming he lives in you, he is the new covenant. You don't even keep the new covenant. You receive the new covenant when you receive Christ in your heart. And you're a vessel of God's covenant. You know what? The old covenant pointed, pointed towards this in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that it pointed towards it was in the Sabbath. It's the same thing as God saying on, on uh, the shore of the Red Sea, stand still and see the salvation of God. That's the whole point of the, of, of the Sabbath. It's that Sabbath means ceasing in Hebrew. It means that we would cease. We would come to our end. Jesus brought us to the Sabbath at the cross. He brought us to our ceasing. When Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. He's saying, I've come to my end. I've ceased. He crucified me. He's showing us the very heart of what the Sabbath means. It's the end of us doing anything for God. You guys, the Sabbath was a big, big deal in Israel. Um, and also there in uh, Matthew 11. I'm going to start in verse 25. Jesus declared, Praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the sophisticated and the learned, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, your delight is done in your sight. All things have been delivered over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. You guys, only Christ in you can reveal the Father. You can read the words of Jesus, memorize them all you want. And until that veil is removed off the heart, we don't see. Come to me, all you that labor and are loaded with burdens, and I alone will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said something radical here. When he said, take my yoke upon you, he's saying something that contradicts what the Jews were saying. Um, they believed that the way to eternal life was taking the yoke of the law on them. And that's, and that's what they taught. It's in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a Jewish book where they recorded 
their oral traditions, the things that they, that they taught down. It, it was written down about 300 A.D. And they said things like, a man must first take upon him the yoke of Moses, and after that, take upon him the yoke of the commandment. This is something that the rabbis taught. This is something that people had heard. And when Jesus came and said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, he's saying something very different. He's contradicting uh, their understanding. Now, in the next chapter, it, it's not a different thing. It's, it's just it's at the same time because it says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to harvest heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and he ate the bread, the showbread, the bread of the presence. And it was not lawful for him to eat it, nor those that were with him, but only the priests. Have you not read in the law on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, some, someone greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what that means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now why is Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath? Because he, he is it. I am the Sabbath. He doesn't just get to decide what you do on the Sabbath. There was a big, you guys, there was a big deal about if you were in Israel and you were Jewish, there was always a controversy about the Sabbath. Because there's things written, you can't kindle a fire. Um, you, you know, so they would try to cook all their bread and, and it'd be ready for the next day. They would, uh, there's just all kinds of things. They, they finally, basically, you know, the law was you're to be at rest. And so they built all these other laws around that law to try to make sure that they didn't break it. So they made, made other rules. Well, we, we shouldn't go traveling on the Sabbath. So let's see, how, how far can we walk without breaking the Sabbath? So they came, uh, they came up with different lengths, you know. Most of them had agreed. You can't, take, you can't walk more than 3,000 feet. So they had so many cubits, you know. Nowadays, you have your, you know, you have your step meter. If you go past two thousand steps, you broke. <laughs> so, uh, but they didn't have their step meters back then. So, you know what they did is they tie a string to your leg, a three hundred foot string or three thousand foot string. I don't know how big it was, but um, and if you don't get that thing stretched out and tight, you broke the Sabbath. You walk, you walk too far. Don't, you don't harvest heads of grain, you, you know, because that's, that's farmer's work, you know. So, so here they're, they're looking at Jesus and they're seeing the disciples 
and they're gathering heads of grain. Jesus is seeing the law already fulfilled, that he is the fulfillment of it. He has just said in this same chapter, the law and the prophets prophesied until John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't the fulfillment of it. John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and a voice came from heaven that said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When was the last time God spoke from heaven? It was at Mount Sinai. Thou shalt not. At Mount Sinai, all the people of Israel heard the voice of God speak. And he had not spoken. Yeah, he spoke through prophets. He, throw, he, he spoke through men's lives. But when Jesus was baptized, when John the Baptist baptized him, God once again spoke from heaven. This is my son. You guys, I hope you can see what I'm seeing. This is the right man. Up until then, everything was the wrong man living, trying to imitate God, trying to impersonate Jesus. At his baptism, the right man had come. He was our rest. You know, there's just lots of Sabbath controversies all through the New Testament, especially in the book of John. The healing at the pool of Bethsaida, the man that's been sick, and unable to walk for 38 years. And Jesus goes there purposely on the Sabbath and says, take up your bed and walk. The Pharisees invited Jesus to a meal and they put a man who was sick right in front of Jesus on the table. Just see if he'd heal him on the Sabbath. Is it right to heal? He, he just asked him plainly, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? And he healed him. Jesus was doing all this on purpose to prove he was the fulfillment of all the old covenant. I mean, he could have said, I didn't do it, the Father healed him. Jesus never said that. When he healed the blind man on the Sabbath, and, uh, you know, to them it was a big deal. He spit in the, in the clay, and he made clay, and he put it in his eyes. Well, if you were a Jew, you don't make clay ever. You've been making it, you know, your, our ancestors made clay for, for Pharaoh in Egypt. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big deal to them to make clay on the Sabbath. It didn't matter if it's just this little bit. He put it in his eyes and healed him. To them, that was a, that was a lawbreaker. Because they couldn't see past themselves. They couldn't see the right man. In Jesus' response on that day, my father is working, therefore I'm working. I mean, that's in your face, people. You're a Sabbath breaker. You're working. Jesus said, yep, my father's working. I'm working. You know what he's saying? I'm the right man. I am your rest. I'm it. I am the Sabbath. I don't really want to get into things about, you know, which is the right Sabbath day and stuff like that, because 
we don't have that controversy among us. You know, out in, out, out in the Christian world, you know, there's a controversy amongst Seventh-day Adventists and whether you should, you know, keep the Sabbath day on Saturday or on Sunday, you know. You guys, that's because those hearts are seeing words as their covenant and not life. And the words say that I have to rest one of these days. So which day should we do it on? You understand the controversy? But when our hearts are turned and, the, and that veil is removed and we see the person of rest, we see that he is the day of rest. He's the fulfillment of all of it. You guys, the Jews never kept the, the Sabbath. One of the Sabbaths was, it was, not just, it was not just the Sabbath day that was celebrated once a week, 52 times a year. There were other Sabbaths that were associated with the feasts. And then there was a Sabbath that was, you know, every seven years, you had to keep the Sabbath for a whole year. No working for a year, folks. You saved up all your, all your money, all your food. You were off work for a year. And then at, 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 on the 50th year, you had, you had to keep the Sabbath for a year, and you, and you let go of all your slaves. I'd like, if you guys find it, I'd like, I've, looked, I've been looking, and, um, and there is no evidence that the Jews ever kept the year of Jubilee. That's the, the 50th year. Um, that Sabbath was broken. There were, you know, they, they would argue at the 50th, well, we hadn't been in the land, we have to be in the land for 50 years before. Anyway, folks, that law was one they never kept. Anyway, if you find a history of it, I'd like to see it. Um, but as far as I can tell, that law of release, it was never fulfilled until Jesus began to preach. When you read about the words of Jesus in, in uh, Luke chapter 2, to proclaim the year of his favor, he's talking about himself being that jubilee to speak to the, to the captives, be free. To those that, prisoners that are in darkness, come out, show yourselves. These are the words of Isaiah when he's talking about when the Lord is speaking through Isaiah and he's talking about the coming of the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of all that. How many minutes are we, Raven? got 10 minutes you know the chapter division between uh, Matthew 11 and Matthew 12 it can make it feel like this this incident of Jesus gathering grain through the on the Sabbath is a different instance but it all flows together and you should read it all together together with Come to me, you who labor and are loaded with burdens, and I alone will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest to your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's in context with he's about to go walking through the fields and, and picking grain, and, and they're going to make a big deal about what rest is. He's just got done saying, I'm your rest. I alone will make you rest. 
And, it, and it's in context with what, what is happening about the Sabbath here. I was, uh, I fixed leaks and roofs, roofs for a living. And uh, when I was in the Baptist church and I was looking at it, uh, they had a yoke on the wall. They had this verse there, come unto me, take my yoke upon you. And we're, we're all used to seeing this one yoke that's got, it's got two, one, you know, one for one cow or ox, and then the other cow on there. Well, you guys, we all look at that, and, and in our natural mind, we like to say, well, there's Jesus, he's going to be in the yoke, he's going to be helping me, I'm going to be pulling, we're going to be pulling together. That's not the yoke of Christ. There is such a thing as a single yoke, you guys. And that's Jesus alone. Pulling, living, working, resting. That's Christ our life. Take my yoke upon you is to allow the finished work to work in you. You don't add anything to the work of Christ. When the Word of God says, you are complete in Him, you rest in Christ. He is your complete righteousness. He is the work of God. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Jesus isn't saying... Learn, you need to learn some stuff about me. He's saying, come to me and learn me. Take my yoke upon you. You're not going to get there through your do list. Father, we just ask you to deal with us this week. Prepare our hearts. Cause us to have a soft heart. Father, all the, all the, all the stones and the, and the hardness that's in us, we ask you to just remove it. Lord, that your seed would grow and bear fruit. You are the husbandman. We look to you to remove all the, all the seed and all the weeds that are not of your life. Father, that your life alone will bear 30, 100 fold. We just ask you to have your way with us and uh, soften our hearts. Cause us to grow in the knowledge of your Son. Amen.